verse out of Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. That's a good one. So today we're in the second, um, in a second message in a series where we're talking about how to love our neighbor. And um, you probably have heard, if you're a student of the Word of God, uh, you've probably heard a couple of times by now, uh, the commandments summarized down into two. Um, love God and love people. Where does that come from? Where does that summary come from? Well, it comes from uh, what was actually our text from the last time, a couple weeks ago. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 29. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, What's written in the law? What is, what is your reading of it? You know, that's kind of like my parents. Never answered a question, always asked a question as an answer to a question. Jesus is so smart. Well, what does God's word say? How can you get saved? I'm glad he said that because the world will tell you there are all kinds of ways to get saved. But Jesus' answer is, well, what does God's word say about how you get eternal life? Great answer. As usual, Jesus. So let's pick up verse 27. So he answered, this is the lawyer. So he answered, who, by the way, is an expert in the law. Okay? He answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor... As yourself. Love God, love people. So there it is summarized. And verse 28, and he said to him, You've answered, Jesus says, You've answered rightly. Do it and you'll live. And this guy didn't really like Jesus' answer. He didn't like it, so he starts getting defensive and he goes on, he says, But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, Yeah, but who is my neighbor? That great commandment, love God with all our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength, and then to love our neighbors as ourselves. Last time on this, in this series, we talked a little bit about uh, racism and how it's got to be overcome for us to be able to love our neighbor. And Jesus helped us see that there is a tendency for racism down within our souls. It's, it's down in there, and he told, told the story that we lovingly called the Good Samaritan story. And um, today we're going to look at another way to love our neighbors. And it's something that I know you care about and that, that you want to get right. I grew up, you know, I'm old enough now that I grew up <clears throat> before TV was color. And Sunday afternoons um, on TV, when you had a choice of like six or five or seven channels, remember what a channel was, okay, click, click, you know, and there was, there was not that much going on on Sunday afternoons, but there was this dependable stream of horror movies on TV Sunday afternoon. They were either Shirley Temple or Tarzan. Horror movies. And I say they were horror movies because as a child, um, you know, there was a theme. If you think it through, there's a theme about most Shirley Temple and Tarzan movies. You remember? They, they, They were orphans. They were orphans. And, you know, and, and so... Either Shirley Temple or Tarzan, they were both orphans. What is it, Grandpa? I'm looking for my granddaughter. She can't go inside. I must see if she's here. Sorry, sir, the performance is just over. You better wait over there. Amen. 
better not try, dear. You've had too much excitement for one day. But Heidi hasn't seen it. Never mind. I don't see Couldn't be your grandfather, Heidi. It sounded just like him. I'm almost sure I heard him. I know it's his voice. Grandfather! Grandfather! Where are you? Heidi! Okay, that's Heidi. I know many of you are going to go home this afternoon now and get Heidi out and watch. I actually... I admit it, I own all of the Shirley Temple movies. This is it. <laughs> Full disclosure. Okay, my wife's, you know, okay, knock it off, okay? Ashley, I know, I mean, <laughs> so, um, you know, I mean, I, I, I started thinking about Shirley Temple and, you know, her movies. Like, okay, here's a quick summary. I realize it's going to take a little bit of service time here to talk about Shirley Temple movies. Little Miss Marker. Great title, you know. She, she, um, her dad you, gives himself as collateral for a loan he's making at the racetrack. Her mother's dead already. The, the loan, the race, the bet doesn't work out. He does himself in. Now she's alone. She's raised by the gangsters at the racetrack. That's a Shirley Temple movie for you. Okay, um, Bright Eyes. Her father's dead. She's living with her mom. Her mom gets killed in a car crash. I mean, it goes. I mean, it, I mean this is these are children's movies. Okay, um, Curly Top. She lives with her big sister in an orphanage. The Littlest Rebel. Catch this one. Her um, dad goes to war fighting for the con- Confederacy in the Civil War, and um, her mother gets sick and dies. But fortunately. He, Dad gets captured. Fortunately, Shirley Temple meets Abe Lincoln, who spares her father. <laughs> it's like, okay, so, I mean, it goes on and on. Um, Heidi, this, this one you just watched, uh, all the way down, the little princess, you know, her father goes to war in the Boer's War, and, you know, who knows what happens, but fortunately she meets Queen Elizabeth, so everything works out. I mean, there's just these, these things, and, and, and she, she did, in the course of six years, all before she was 13, she, did, she starred in 20 movies. 11 of them, she was an orphan. In six of them, or five of them, five more of them, she lived with just one parent. Only in four out of 20 movies did she have her parents. And, um, you know, so Shirley, go ahead and put that next picture up of her. She just absolutely weaves into our hearts this sweet little girl, but they constantly put her in the role of being an orphan. And, and it wasn't just Shirley Temple movies that kind of make up the horror show parade. (laughs) Disney. Disney gets into it, too. Have you thought it through? Think about it just for a minute. Disney stories, which are, of course, aimed at and and appeal to children, and I like them, too, because I've got a few of those. Um, A lot of their characters were either orphaned or something bad happened to mom and dad. I mean, just think about these characters. I'll just blast through this list. Um, Elsa, Cinderella, Bambi, Penny from the Rescuers, Simba, the Lion King, you know, his father, he thinks he's responsible. Lilo and Stitch, Nemo, Mowgli from Jungle Book, you know. Where are his parents? Look for the bear. Okay, so, um, (laughs) I mean, I can't help it. I want to walk like, okay, so keep going. Um, (laughs) Okay, you know that song. Uh, Snow White, Tarzan, Alice in Wonderland, Rapunzel, Dumbo, all these characters... They're just by themselves. And today I want to talk about 
um, about, about this. And, um, you know, one more thing about Shirley Temple movies that I noticed. This is not on topic, but it happens to be Shirley Temple movies, and it's yodeling. <laughs> I don't know. I just think that that somehow the world would be a better place if we bring back yodeling. I just think I think, and and I you know my little rabbit trail mind in my little study at home, and I'm supposed to be in the Word of God, and I'm thinking about this, and I'm preparing for this, and then I start thinking, you know, the world would be a better place. In fact. I think there should be one more presidential debate. And they should give their answers in yodeling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I worked hard on this clip. <laughs> okay. You might watch that debate if it came up, right? Okay, that's cheesy, but listen, please vote. I'm not going to stand today. This is off topic. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. Um, but I, I just really think it's important for you to be salt and light and to, um, to, to, to exercise and cast your vote. And I will recommend this one thing about voting. Vote the values of the Word of God. Um, where, you know, I don't know what's on your ballot. There are all kinds of issues on the ballot. You know, income tax is an issue. People that, you know, pocket go for all these things that are on there. I don't know how you divide down and figure those things out, but I'm just telling you, vote. And vote the values of the Bible. You can go to the church uh, web page if you want to, crossroads.life, L-I-F-E, and there's a link there, and it will take you to the both parties and the state and the Christian voter guides, there's links on there if you need help. But I just encourage you to vote and to vote the word of God. So today I want to talk about um, how to love your neighbors and uh, especially the ones who are orphans. And, and here's a sad truth about parenting. You know, just because a woman becomes pregnant doesn't necessarily mean she is ready yet to raise her children. And the same thing is true of guys, you know. I mean, there are a lot of unfortunate circumstances today where um, someone, maybe a a woman who's been massively addicted becomes pregnant or she's been abused and mistreated and doesn't know yet how to show love to children or there's mental illness involved or, um, you know, some people are just not yet properly equipped to be the, the best caregiver for, for a child. And just because a guy can find a girl and get her pregnant doesn't mean he's ready to be a father. So there are just way, way too many examples of this, in, and that's a reality in the world that we live in today, where there are children. And I want to um, talk about this, but I have this, this huge level of sensitivity that I want to keep really up front today because I think this topic is, for some people, something they saw in a movie. And for other people, it's what they lived as a child. 
or our living as a child. And um, there, there, there are so many, so many examples today of children um, that are living this kind of lifestyle. In the United States right now, there are about 400,000 children that are in government-run foster care situations. 400,000 in our country. That's in this country. And uh, they're in need of a home right now. They don't have a family. In this state, in Washington state, there are over 10,000 children in, in need of a, a home that are in the care of the state. And, 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 and in this state, if a child goes into the foster care program, um, the policy of, of how they, the state handles it is they try to create a case plan for each one of the children. And the case plan will have a goal. And the goal may be to, um, to reunify them with their biological family. That's one of the goals. Another goal would be to emancipate. In other words, as a child gets to a point where they could just um, become legally authorized to make their own decisions, even though they're not yet 18, they would be emancipated. Another, another goal is to see them placed into a family that can raise them and they get legally to stay there. That's the goal of about 25%. About 25% of the kids in the foster programs of the state of Washington. The goal is to place them in a family that will be their permanent place, a goal of adoption. Children in our country, um, there are a lot of them that are at risk. Um, and I, I don't, that's a very broad way of saying it, but um, each year in the United States, there are about 700,000 children, 700,000 confirmed to be victims of maltreatment. And, um, you know, and, and, and uh, the, the, that number comes from um, where there has been some indication of abuse or neglect that's actually been verified by an investigation. Okay, these aren't just accusations that are made. So the, the number that have hit the system where someone is investigated and said, yes, there's some abuse. 700,000 every year. Overall, the national child victim rate in our country is 9.2 children per thousand. So it's just under 1%. Just under 1%. It's, this is a problem. Even though the numbers are, 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 are maybe small in a percentage-wise. And in this state, in the state of Washington... Um, home, child homelessness, is it, it's more than you think. It's more than you think. Um, this is going to be how the state of Washington will define. What does homeless mean? Okay, homeless means that they lack a fixed, regular, and adequate nighttime resident. It goes on residence. It goes longer than that, but I wanted to keep this short today. So here are some um, distressing uh, perspectives from the superintendent of public instruction from our education system. In the state of Washington, there are about 32,000 children right now in the public schools who are homeless. They're not with their parents. That's 3.1% of all of the students in school. Now, this is just a section of it. I put the section of the chart up that shows the younger kids, but those numbers are consistent all the way through high school. A couple thousand kids in each grade homeless in this state. It's crazy to think that. that, that. And here's a sad statistic about children that are homeless in school. The four-year graduation rate of homeless kids is under 40%. The five-year graduation rate for homeless kids is under 50%. And education is so important for kids, for their future, for everyone, for their future. And when we hear these statistics, these numbers, they just kind of overwhelm me. I look at them and I think, I can't, what can I do about that? 
I, I care about it. I'd like to, and I think that some really good, loving people have their hands on the necks and hearts of these kids, and they're doing the best that they can, and they're trying, and, and they make a difference. But these numbers are speaking for themselves. And it's no wonder that the Lord talks to us about orphans. And I, 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 I want to say this, though, about these numbers, although there's a lot of them. There are far more Christians than there are children who need homes. A lot more Christians than there are children who need homes. And um, I, I really believe with everything right in here that the church can make a difference here, a big difference. And I want to show you um, through God's word today that I really believe that the church is God's plan A for making a difference in the lives of children who are in need. I mean, I think our government does a lot, and, and, and they do well uh, with, what they can, with, the, with what the resources. But really, the church is God's plan A. Um, and, and so I want to look um, at some scriptures here, and let's just dive in. James chapter 1, verse 27. Now, this is James. He's the brother of Jesus, and he defines what pure religion is. It says this, religion that, our, that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Orphans, widows in distress, and keep yourself from being polluted. Interesting here that God says religion is to keep yourself, you, look at your own heart. This is a rabbit trail. I'm not going to stay here for long. But we're to look at our own heart to keep ourselves pure. It's not telling us we're to look at somebody else's heart and get them to be pure. Catch that. Even our culture wants to guide and control people's hearts. That is not the direction from the Lord. The Lord puts that right down in the soul of every person. What's the purest form of religion that God accepts? It's to look after orphans, to care for widows, and keep ourselves separated from the impurities of this world. And this passage really makes it clear that caring for people in need is really, really, really close to the heart of God. And It's so close, I think, I believe, that God pre-wired some qualities into you and me. It's pre-wired. It's in you. It's not software, it's hardware. You're capable of loving people. You are capable of caring for people. It's down inside us. Isaiah 54.10 Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. God is compassion. There he is. 2 Corinthians 1 Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort. What a wonderful name. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And then Philippians 2. By the way, this one, Philippians 2, this is marriage counseling right here. Husbands and wives, read this to to each other. Do it every day. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. You know, God would never compel you to compassion if he didn't already know you were capable of doing it and being it. And 
you know, here's what would happen if I was to show you pictures of children, you know, told you some stories. I think many of you would say, hey, how can I help? I, I, I see that need. I want to be involved in it. I mean, I, I already know that's true about you because I've watched it happen right here in this room. Um, here's what's just happened recently. Coats. These are coats you donated to children in our community. And um, it ended up being coats, hats, scarves, gloves, hot chocolate. <laughs> what do you think is going on in the hearts of these children? They're, they just know that they're loved by God. For whatever reasons, that'll get in there. And I just want to say, well done to you. We had um, um, <clears throat> 50 boy coats and 50 girl coats. I think it was over that. And uh, hats and gloves and scarves. And the ones that we didn't give away, we gave to the local school counselors. And, uh, and they gave them away. Way to go, church. I'm going to say to you, well done. I'm just blessed to be a part of this family. Way to go. Yeah. But if I was to show you um, pictures of specific children and their stories, now, okay, now I'm going to walk on, because I, I just have this picture of Sally Struthers crying on TV, you know, begging for money, you know what I'm saying? And I don't want to do that with you. I don't want to do that. I just want to talk about this and, and say that, you know, there are stories, and I could tell you some, and I'll just mention a couple. These are real um, but I'm uncomfortable in this moment because I don't feel the liberty to, to talk about somebody's life and what's going on. So I've changed the circumstances a little bit. But these examples have come from, from real-life ex- people that I've had my eyes and hands on and talked to, okay? Just a couple. Um, about a mom who is in rehab and the father of the children is out of the picture and there's two beautiful boys who are seven and nine and um, mom's not home and dad's gone... I think that if you saw their pictures and know the circumstances, you'd be thinking, what can I do to help this family? Well, how can I help? I mean, and I, I just, another, another one is I can think of this sweet young woman, high school age. She's, she's involved in high school sports. She's liked by people. She applies herself. Can't go home. Dad is a raging alcoholic who gets absolutely violent. I don't know where mom is out of the picture. So she's couch, couch surfing. She doesn't live at home. She lives wherever she can stay for a while while someone has compassion on her. I mean, I mean, I think if you saw these stories and you knew them specifics, you'd go, okay, what do I, how do I sign up? I mean, you know, we got a spare bedroom. Let's, let's give this girl a place to live. Let's love this girl back to health. Let's show her what, what, what love really is. Let's, you know, I mean, it's, it's in you. And I, I know why you do this. I think when you actually hear the story and you see the circumstances, it makes a difference when we see that it's not a theory, it's a real person, you know. And these 400,000 children in our country, every one of them is a real person with a real face and a real story. Every single one of them. I think God calls the church to care about and to help people that are in need. And you know, if we think about in our culture, what are some of the biggest problems that our culture faces? Biggest problems for families and society. And we ask ourselves the question, who pays the price for these problems? I mean, as I just, I just here's a quick list of a few, few challenges, okay? Ask yourself in, the, in these questions as I go down this list, who's pay, who pays the price for this stuff? Broken families, fatherlessness, divorce, 
poverty, substance abuse, incarceration, homelessness, domestic abuse, gang violence, racism, teen pregnancy, the list goes on. Who pays the price? Who pays the price for this stuff, for these problems? It's the children. The children pay the price. You know, those who didn't cause the problem and those who have, don't have the ability to make a difference and to solve the problem, they are the ones that pay the price. And maybe that's why the Lord tells us in Psalm 82, he says, defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. This is, this is God's plan A. We're told to defend the weak and the fatherless, rescue the weak and the needy. And, and I think about all of us, about you people, this church family, you, I, I think about us th- that you're good people, you're good human beings, and you care about people that are in need. And when you see somebody in need, you, you know, your heart goes out to them. I, I believe that about you. I've watched it. You know, um, I was riding my bike. I like to ride my bike, and um, I was riding my bike recently, and I saw this nest full of baby bunnies. <laughs> there's a certain section where I go on this trail, and there, there's bunnies all over. There's just a section, and there's this nest of baby, and they're so cute, and they're defenseless and they're helpless. So you know, we should save the bunnies. You know, and um, so I'm coming along, and here's a dog who also sees this nest, and this dog's on point. You know what that means? That dog's going like, okay, which one of those am I going to eat first? You know, it's like, I don't know. I mean, and, 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 and you, you know what fluffy baby bunnies look like, right? Well, just in case you don't. Oh, I don't know how that picture got in there. Oh, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> That's not actually. <laughs> you did exactly what I predicted in my notes. You'd go, oh, cute, you know. You know, we should save the bunnies. Save the baby bunnies. Save them, right. Why? Because they're cute. Because they're defenseless. They're helpless. So we should save the bunnies. And and if we're going to save the bunnies, we we should also save the whales, and we should also save the spotted owls, and we should also save the children, right? The kids? (laughs) Rescue the weak and the needy. Defend the fatherless. But it's so easy in our world because out of sight and out of mind. And, and you know, I've got my own kids. And I've got my own problems. And I've got my own bills to pay. And I've got my own stuff going on. I don't have time. I really am busy. I just, you know, I mean, we think about that. And, and our God cares about these kids more than I think you and I can imagine. He really does. He's calling us as his church, his, his bride, to care about them the same way that he does. You know, Psalm 68 tells us a little bit about God. It says, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. Verse 6, God sets the lonely in families. I love this scripture. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. I know people that have just had that scripture just, it burns into their heart. It's so true. They need to know that they have a father in heaven because they don't have one here. He sets the lonely in families. That's what God does. He sets the lonely. And he may be looking or you know, hearing prayers from some child who needs a home or a 16-year-old who's struggling and needs help or 
Even the prayers of a four-month-old baby that doesn't speak yet, but the angst in the heart, God hears it. And what does he do? He looks for a family somewhere that's willing to say yes. And then he orchestrates. God starts, I think he starts orchestrating, brings the lonely. It says he brings the lonely, sets the lonely in families. Why does he do that? So that they can experience health and love and compassion and care. And and to be exposed to people who already know the love of Christ so that they can share the love of Christ with someone who needs to hear it. He sets the lonely in families. So here's the big what if question. What if God has his eyes set on your family? What if God is thinking about your home? You know, what if for some of us sitting in this room today, you become the answer to some child's deepest prayer. God, give me a family. God, you know, show me someone to love me, a place to belong. What if, what if some of us are the answer to that prayer? God sets the lonely in families. Now, for many of you hearing this, this is a real uncomfortable moment because you've got a lot going on and, you know, you would say, I I care, but listen, I'm not called to adopt or even to foster children. I'm not called. I'm going to say, for most of you, you're probably right. You're not called to do that. Okay, so relax. <laughs> okay, so relax. In fact, I think there are probably some people in this room. I would encourage you not to do this, <laughs> and not because I want to be snide, but for some of you, the Lord has you focus right now on figuring out your own family. Do that. Do that. And that's okay. Relax. You know, but before you say, no, no, we're not called to do that, I just encourage you to pray. Just pray. Just ask the Lord, you know, God, is there something I should be doing on this topic? Some way I should be involved. Would you have me do something, God? Some way you're calling our family to be a blessing for somebody in need. And I think you probably, because they're sitting in this room, you probably already know somebody who has prayed that prayer and responded to it, and God led them to become a blessing and, and help some child who was in you know, significant need. And um, you know, if you ask them, they say, yeah, we realize the Lord called us to do this. It was something, you know, God put us here so we can make a difference. He picks up the lonely and puts them into families, and that's how God uses the church. You know? I, I would say this, too. If you, if you ever decide to let a child into your home, into your family, if you say yes to this, you may never ever in the rest of your life be more like God than in that very moment. You think about it. It it may be the most God-like thing that you ever actually do when you invite somebody into your family. Why? Because if you're a follower of Christ, that's exactly what God did for you. It's spot on. I mean, I mean, Terry, I was a spiritual orphan, separated from God by my sin, and God adopted me into his family. He did. He, he gave me his name. When you call on the name of Jesus, you know, you're adopted into God's family. And, and God, God adopts you, not because you're good, not because you deserve it, but God adopts you because he's good. 
And he delights in drawing you into his family. And, and this whole topic frames the, an understanding of salvation for, for you and for me, for the goodness of God. It's why Jesus came. You know, when you call on the name of Jesus, you get adopted into the, into, into the family of God. You become a son or a daughter and joint heirs. And, I mean, you get all the benefits, full boat. And when you adopt anyone else at any level, you are behaving like God. And, um, and, and that's showing the love. And I was adopted into the family of God. And I love the way that the, the Apostle Paul talks about this. He's talking to the believers in Ephesus. Um, Ephesians 1, verse 5, he says, God decided in advance, catch that, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him pleasure, great pleasure, great pleasure. Here's the thing, it's going to do the same thing for you and for me. You know. Now I think, I think there is, this is a hard road, to really seriously walk down because, you know, maybe some of you think, well, I, I, I could never, it would be so hard to actually go through with an adoption because I will for sure stop them from being united with their biological family and it's heartbreaking and there's all these challenges and yes, that's right. That's, that's spot on. It's heartbreaking. The process is heartbreaking. You know, I've heard this said by people that had, gone, that had gone down that process before. If it doesn't hurt, you're not doing it right. <laughs> I mean, if, if your heart doesn't break as you go through that process, there's, you know, because sometimes the most loving, biggest hearted things we do carry with, with them the risk of pain. Have you noticed that? I mean, so if the Holy Spirit speaks to you, and nudges you, I just want to tell you a couple of things in advance about this. It will be hard beyond imagine. It will be one of the, one of the most difficult things that you do. It's, it's complicated. It's, it's, there's more tears. You'll be misunderstood. I mean, you, you already have your own biological children, and that is enough of a challenge, right? Your own kids bring enough of a challenge. And then you bring another child in who brings with them their brokenness and what they've faced and they bring that. It's, it's, it's hard. It's harder than you can imagine. Now, that's number one thing. It's harder than you can imagine. This, doesn't, this is not a very good sales job, is it? Okay. It's harder than you can imagine. But number two, knowing that it's harder than, than you can imagine, I want you to understand number two, the child is worth it. The child is worth it. They're worth it. They're absolutely and completely worth it. Now, in the category of full disclosure, Lisa and I have never um, officially fostered or adopted. So I want to answer the question, is this an all or nothing deal? Is this all or nothing or what can we do? And um, um, this is another part of the message where I don't feel really comfortable going into, because um, I don't want to stand up here and tell you all the wonderful things Lisa and I have done, but I'm going to share with you some things, some ways that we've decided to live that do this. I mean, obviously, I feel complete liberty to speak on behalf of children, and I'm doing that now, and I've, I've done it at other times. So I can lend my influence, whatever that is. You can do this too. You can lend your influence to people that are in need. We've, 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 we've not officially, but we've unofficially adopted many people 
um, who lacked real parental covering and love. Um, and um, we've got a list. I mean, it's not a written down list, but there have been many, many, of, many people who they literally call us mom and dad because we father them and mother them and care for them. And it's, an, it's, an, it's a lifetime commitment on our part. And we've entered into that with several people and, and they know it. And we, we, we are invested in, and we will not, we will not stop being invested in them. We're going to parent them just like we do our own kids. And I mean, there've been times where I've been asked, uh, maybe a little bit because I'm more of a upfront public uh, ministry, but I've been asked by single mothers if I could be a father figure to their son. And if I can, I say yes. And I try to keep that really appropriate. And yes, I do. I mean, I have done that. And I have some of, the, some, of the, some, of the, some of those that I've said yes, I would be a father figure to have not been an easy road. Inclu- they've included me fathering them through their years in the state. Um, what's it called? It's not called prison for young kids. Huh? Okay. Cur- Juvie. Juvie. <laughs> You know, I've, I've, I've fathered young men through that process in a deal that lasts for years. In fact, I did it right up the street from here and other places. And um, you can do that. And just to stretch your boundaries a little bit, this is a stretch to, to, to consider this in the category of orphans, but we treat it the same. There are senior citizens that Lisa and I know that are of no relation to us in blood, but they're kind of orphaned in life. And so we regularly and consistently invest ourselves in them. You can do these things without formally adopting someone. And, and these things might be unofficial in the eyes of the world. But I'll tell you this, they are absolutely official in the kingdom of God. Absolutely. And they make a difference. You can work within God's system and, and say, I see a need, God can use me to show his love. And here's something that I want to kind of um, tack on to this topic. It's really important to me, and I think it really, really matters to God, and therefore I think it should really, really matter to us. We believe in the sanctity of life. All life. You know, we deeply value the life of the unborn child, the life of the baby. We deeply value the life of the teenage girl who, who ends up pregnant and is afraid and thinks she's going to be rejected, maybe by her church family or her, everybody she knows, and, and, and she feels ill-equipped to, to raise a child. We, we, we deeply value parents who, at some point, just concluded, I, I, I can't raise these children. And, and now you're heartbroken because you've lost this 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 tether you had to your little ones. I mean, we value, we value all life. We care about all life. And we believe that all life needs a spiritual family. All life does. The love of God. All life needs the love of God in, in his church. And here's the deal. What's amazing about this is you can be their spiritual family. You can. You can help with something as simple as giving a child a smile or a hug. I mean, I'm, as I said before, I'm walking a tightrope here. Um, I I think one of the most meaningful ministry opportunities I've ever had in my life was an extended period of time where I was ministering to a young woman. And um, she had significant needs. She was the victim of ongoing sexual crimes. 
and they were perpetrated against her by the people who should have been protecting her. It, it was just ter- heartbreaking and terrible. And uh, for some reason, the Lord placed me in the proximity to pastor this, this young woman. Now, I want you also to understand that I conducted myself with the full knowledge and involvement of my wife and other people. I was always very careful to be in the proper, safe, and appropriate setting with her. But I cared about her. I loved her. still do. And um, I would just see the inability for her to comprehend healthy love from a man who didn't have immoral desires for her. That's all she knew. Those that trusted her, those that should have protected her, violated her, and that's all she knew of adult men. And I knew there was a place she just needed to be held. She just needed to be hugged, smiled at, and accepted. No, you're not dirty. You're not soiled. You're worthy. You are precious. God loves you. I love you. You have a tomorrow. And she's needed this. And at the same time I was ministering to her spiritually, there were professionals ministering to her on a counseling level. And they knew about my involvement. Of course, I knew about their involvement. And there were times where I wanted to just reach out and grab her, but she wasn't ready. And over time, trust was built. And there was a place where that was appropriate. And um, I will just jump to the end of the story and tell you this. Um, she lets me hug her now. I don't see her too often because she's moved out of the area. She's healthy-er, and she's married to a pastor somewhere. And when I see her, she comes right straight to me for one of these. And you can do that. You can do that. You can adopt someone. People uses people like you and like me to father the fatherless. It doesn't have to be something big. It can be something small. It can be, you know, something as small as serving in that nursery. You know? Even though you don't have any kids in the nursery, you think, well, I've done my turn in the barrel. Okay. I'm not trying to get into a statistics battle with you. I'll just tell you this. There are children in there who come from foster homes and they just need to be loved on. And if, listen, I'm not trying to recruit people for the nursery or the children's ministries or the youth program. I'm trying to help you minister in an area that the Lord has called and equipped you in it. And you will never be complete until you say yes to the Lord and you go hug some kids. Anyway, I mean, you know, or, or it could be Sunday school or, you know, there are children in our nursery and in our Sunday school and in our youth program who come from foster settings. And uh, listen, I want to say this too. Guys, gentlemen, step up. <laughs> there are a lot of kids in our community who end up here who do not have a godly male figure in their life. And you can be that. You just go be, go be cool. Go be smart and godly, and you will make a difference. You don't have to, you don't have to solve all the problems of the world. You can serve in the youth pro- program. You can invest in children. You just make a difference. What, what can people, what, what can all of us do? You know, what, what can you do? Well, you hear somebody's adopting a child, throw a baby shower. <laughs> <laughs> go do something for somebody who's adopting. Provide needs for people who have a need and are going through something. You can be someone who helps out when you see a need. You can't do everything, but you can do something. And here's a promise to you. 
If you make a difference in the life of a child, you're not going to change the world. But you are going to change their world. You will change their world. And I just want to dream with you for a second. We're done here, and, um, and I want to pray. But, you know, what if, at least as a start in this church, every single parent, every single mom, every single dad knew that they knew that they knew that their children would be loved loved on and accepted. I think we do that pretty well, but I want us to get, I want us to, I want us to break the world record on loving kids. I don't know what that would look like, but I mean, I I want us to be so passionate about showing God's love to our kids that we have to wait our turn. Well, Terry, you said go sign up to work in the nursery, but they got like 15 people and only three babies. I got to wait my turn to be in the nursery. Yeah. What if? That'd be great. (laughs) That would be terrific. I mean, I would love to see that happening. What if when a young woman finds herself with an untimely pregnancy and instead of being judged, she's, she saw, you know what? These people love me past a mistake. But my child is not a mistake. My child is a child. I'm not a mistake. I'm a person. And I think we do that. But I want us to be proactive about it. I want us to be looking, sniffing around under logs and looking for places where we can love on a child. I think we can do that. And how does that happen? It happens because the church will rise up and, and live like God's kids. I believe all that stuff can be true. If, if just as God's church, it's simple. When we pray and the Holy Spirit starts speaking to us, we say yes to him. We just say yes to him. Yes, Lord. Even though it might cost me something, even though it's going to be difficult, yes, Lord, because it's worth it, and these children are worth it. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would speak to every single heart, mine included, Lord. Show us what we can do, whatever it is. Show us that we can all do something. God, give us that heart to do that. I pray, Lord, that this will be reflected in practical ways, that when people come here with children, those children will feel so loved on and so overwhelmed with acceptance that mom and dad go, wow, these people love kids here. This is a world record-breaking place. They love kids here. Lord, I want to be more than just inside these walls. I just pray, too, that for kids in our neighborhoods, the friends of our kids at school, the children of our friends, that, Lord, where you might use so many more than biological moms and dads to care for and to raise children. Lord, speak it to us. We want to rise to that. I pray, Lord, that we will be the bringers of of salt and light. You've called us as the church to do that, to get that balance right to a little bit of salt and a whole bunch of light. Help us to do that, Lord, I pray, because your little ones are worth it. Give us your heart for children. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and sing this with me?